This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity today to, to come and to engage with you, to be with a community of people who are, are hopeful and who are expecting to encounter you in some way. Thank you for my friends who come each week. Thank you for my friends who are here for the first time. Thank you for my friends who have come back. And I would ask, God, that you would speak to each of us uniquely and individually because you see us right here in this place, and I know you love us. So, God, would you be guiding our time? Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and I'm going to guide our journey together for the rest of the morning. And right up front, I need you to know one very important thing, and you might not agree with me yet. You might not believe it yet, but I just want you to know one thing. I believe that God loves you, that God loves you so much that he moved heaven and earth to come and be with you. And that's what we just celebrated in communion, that, that God gave everything for us and knocked down any barrier that would keep you from encountering him. And so as a church each week, that's what we want to do. We want to knock down any barrier that would keep you from encountering God, which is why I always tell you, make yourself comfortable, make yourself at home, get your coffee. I got mine kick your shoes off, turn the seat around. I I don't care what you do as long as you prepare yourself to encounter God, because God absolutely wants to encounter you. And if you're just joining us, we're in week three of a series that we're calling Greater. And to get us all on the same page, a few things you're going to want to do. Grab your program and on the inside, put down your name and email address on this card that says start here. It's just a simple way for us to help you connect when you are ready to connect. We won't bug you. We won't, we won't cold call you. We just want to be a resource to you when you're ready to connect to the church, to the things we're doing in the city, and ultimately when you're ready to connect with God. We want to be the church that helps you do that. So get that filled out. And then uh, our teaching notes, I'm t- taking you through one of the craziest stories in the Old Testament of the Bible today. There's a whole lot of, of Bible verses is on here, and this has it all for you with some fill-in-the-blanks. And if you're in a life group, it's got your life group questions that you'll be talking about throughout the week. So go ahead and get your teaching notes ready. Uh, And the greater series, simply stated, came about like this. For those of you who are parents, I would imagine that every single one of us, and I've got a six-year-old and a little guy who's going to be four tomorrow, um, every single one of us has dreams for our kids— None of us has kids, and we thought when we had our kid, I hope that my kid is mediocre. I hope my kid is average. You know, if I'm really, if I'm really dreaming big, I want my kid to kind of be a C student, average in the class. I hope my kid is average at sports, plays about half the time. Uh, I, hope, I hope my kid has an average marriage, you know, just stay together. That's all we're, that's all we're asking for, just stay together. I hope my kid has an average career when they grow up. None of us wants that. No good parent wants average for their kids. We want to partner with our children so they can have a great life and they can beat the average. And the Bible says over and over again that God is like a perfect, powerful, loving, heavenly father. And if it would make sense that you want better than average for your kids, wouldn't it make sense that God wants better than average for his kids? 
And that's what we find over and over again in the pages of the Bible, that God wants to do greater things in our life than average as we partner with him, when we engage with him on this journey of life. And one of the key ways to engage with God is through prayer. And this Greater Than series is all about prayer, dreaming big dreams with God, praying bold prayers with God, and then partnering with God as he does beyond average in our lives, through our lives, and in our community. And if you've missed any week in the series, you can go to our website, newlifepetaluma.org, click on the media tab, and you can hear the the first two weeks of this series and get all caught up on where we've been, because it lays a great uh, framework for where we're going. But but just to catch us up to speed, here's a snapshot. I asked you two weeks ago, if God came and knocked on your door and said to you, what do you want me to do for you? you? If you could have anything, what would you want me to do for you? I asked you this question, would your, would your request, would your prayer be big enough that it wouldn't embarrass you and it wouldn't demean God? That is to say, uh, we, we pray all the time, and I want to encourage you, anytime we pray, it's a great, it's a great time. And we, but we pray for all kinds of things, kind of small, mundane, everyday things, and those are good things to pray for, but there are, are big things that God invites us to pray for too. So if God showed up at your door and he said, man, I, w- I want to do something for you because I'm God. I'm, I'm like a perfect powerful, loving, heavenly Father, and I want to I bless the heck out of you. And you took your average prayers from the last week. Would your, would your prayer sound something like this? God, man, if you could do anything for me, I just want to ask, would you, would you keep me safe on my drive to work tomorrow? Okay, that's not a bad prayer, but kind of, eh. Or, or how about this one? Okay, God, 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 God. It's, it's March 1st now. The, the colds are going around the school. If you could do anything, God, if you could do anything, would you help my kid to not get sick this week? Would you just, okay, that's not bad, but Come on, you could ask, he's saying, ask me for anything. And then you think, I, I got it, I got a good one. Okay, I got a good one. God, God, this is my favorite. Would you take this Big Mac and fries, Biggie Coke and, and, and milkshake, and would you bless the heck out of this meal? Would you bless it to my body? Help it to grow, not here, but like here and here. Would you just bless the heck out of this meal to this body? God, would you do that for me? And God looks at you like, Really? That's the best you could do? Now again, nothing wrong with praying, praying for a blessing, especially if you're a young 20-something and you're just starting to cook. Pray that God blesses your meal, protects your meal, okay? <laughs> Keeps you from salmonella. I had it in my early 20s when I started cooking on my own. It's not fun. But, but, but what if God wants to do greater things in our life even than that, but we don't even take the time to dream with God and to ask? And we're missing out on great things because we simply aren't asking. And that's what we're talking about. And I, I've realized that, that prayer is a lot like common core math. And if you have kids in school right now, you know about common core math. I've got a, a first grader, and so I'm just learning. I've got a first grade education in common core math. But if you're new to this whole common core experience, or maybe you don't have kids, let me just kind of share with you common core math. And, and if you're an educator and I get this wrong, please don't email me, okay? That would be wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't good at regular core math. This is just... <laughs> but here's my understanding. We used to think that there was an answer to a problem to get uh, a solution. Now we're realizing in common core math that there are multiple venues, multiple ways you could go to get to any given solution in math, which I love because I was always coming up with creative ways to answer problems in math, and they were always wrong. But now I find that they can be, be right. Here's the thing. Here's how... I'm understanding common core math. You can have multiple ways to get to any, any goal, any solution. And it's the same with, with prayer. 
There are multiple venues, multiple ways to pray, and they're all great as long as they get us to the same spot, which is engaging with God. And that's what we're doing over this series. We, we want to engage with God, and we're looking at one specific way to pray, one specific venue, one specific avenue to pray to engage with God. And what we've been doing is we said this last week we started a 40-day fast where we're fasting from something. We are abstaining from something, and, and I chose like social media for me and shaving for me. Those were my two things. And some of you chose sugar or TV or listening to the radio in the car on the way to work. We had all sorts of things that you chose. We're abstaining from something, and then we're, for 40 days, we're praying for something else. So that every time we would normally do this thing, we would normally watch TV or get on Facebook or whatever, instead of doing that, we engage with God in prayer for this thing we're praying about. And I invited you to to pray for two things, actually. One would be personal. Could be something in your family, uh, in your finances, in your work. Could be a dream that God's placed in your heart. Could be for a friend that you really want uh, to, to fix a relationship with or have them come to, to church. Could be something personal. The other one, though, I asked us all to pray for something church-related because I laid out for us some big dreams and some big goals that God has given our church. See, we believe that God loves every person in Sonoma County, and we want to be a church that God uses to reach as many people as possible. So we set, we set markers each year. God, would you increase our influence in the community? And we set numeric numbers on how many people we want to reach, because we believe every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God and should matter to us. And so what we said was, well, we have about 575 to 600 people coming to New Life every single Sunday, which is which is awesome. That means like almost 600 of us get to connect with God each week here in this community. But what if we prayed that God would increase our influence to 800 people a week by the end of the year? So we're praying that God would help us reach 800 people, and some of us are praying for that, so that just imagine at the end of the year, 800 of us every week experiencing God's love, being transformed, having community to to share life with. It's just a beautiful thing that we're praying about. So that was one of our big goals. Another one of our big goals is that God would increase our pastoral staff because we are way understaffed. And and so we want to hire at least one, if not two pastors this year to better serve you and equip you and prepare you and and care for you and also to, to make the space for us to care for the people that God gives us in this church. A third one was we're praying that God would, would enable us to do some major renovation build-out stuff in our church. Remember the parking lot we're praying about, which it's still, we're still praying about it. It's still coming. We didn't get to move on it this week, but we're, we're trusting that we will soon because this is how this process goes sometimes. Um, but we're, we're asking God for like a sports court out there so that our, our students and our life groups can play and have a great time out there. And, and so we can get rid of the abandoned warehouse look that works really well on Halloween, but not so good the other 364 days of the year. We're praying for some build-outs in here um, for some classrooms so we can better serve you upstairs and doing some work there. Uh, so that's one thing you're praying about. And then the last one is this. I'm praying that God would make us the most generous church in Sonoma County by increasing our general giving to a million dollars a year. That would be like a $200,000, $220,000 increase from where we were last year, which was up like 120000 something from the year before. I mean, it's a major prayer, but it's the, it's the foundation, I think, for God to do all these other miracles he wants to do is increasing our generosity. So, so these are just some of the dreams I laid out and said, would you just join me? Pray, pray for you, but also would you pray for our church that God would enable us to do the things he's called us to do? And then you wrote those down, and, and this is so fun. So I know we're not we're not great at spontaneous applause. So I'm just going to warn you, you're going to want to applaud in, in just a second. So get ready to spontaneously applaud. 423 of us decided to take this prayer and fasting adventure. 423. This is when you would spontaneously applaud. I can see you. 
You got to clap. Yeah. Here's why this is so important. This is why I'm so excited about it. These are, by the way, these are your prayer requests. 423 of your, of your things you're fasting from and you're praying for. Here's why this is so important. Fasting is not about abstaining from something. If you get to the end and you think, I made it 40 days without eating sugar, you might be healthier, but that's not really all that valuable. Or if you think, man, I, I, made, it, I made it 40 days without watching TV or whatever, that, that's okay, but that's not the goal of our fast. The goal of our fast, by the way, isn't even the thing we're praying for God to do. That, that's a great thing. And if God does it, and we're, we're hoping and trusting that he will, that's a, that's a miracle. The goal of prayer and fasting is to engage with God. We fast to, um, to remember to pray, and we're fasting for something to give us some talking points with which to pray. But the goal of this time is to engage with God. My, my prayer for us as a community is by the time we get to Easter, we would be more engaged with God than we ever have been before because we've come out of this time of prayer and fasting. And the fact that 423 of us started this journey together, that just makes my heart sing. I am so happy. By the way, if you missed last week or didn't get to do it or you didn't know what you were going to do, I just left more of our prayer commitments on, um, on your chairs. You can fill that out while I'm talking and just put it in the baskets and we'll add it as the, as the week goes on. You'll see yours up here next week. So here's where we're going for the next four weeks as we take this prayer journey and we engage with God on this adventure. Uh, I, want to, I want to guide us through what it looks like to actually pray big prayers, engage with God, and get real. So next week what I'm talking about is probably the greatest thing that keeps us from actually praying big prayers and engaging with God, and it's simply this. What do I do with those times when I prayed for something big? I prayed that she would be healed of cancer and she died. What do I pray? What do I do when I, I prayed that God would save our marriage and we got divorced? What do I do when I prayed for something big? I asked God and it didn't come to pass or it didn't come to pass the way I thought it would. And you might be thinking, why would you start there? That seems like an odd place to start. And here's why, because I don't want to get to the end of our series with that question as the underpinning on your mind, because that question is the thing that keeps most of our friends from really engaging with God. That question's the thing that if you're kind of sitting back saying, I don't know if I can trust this whole Jesus thing, that question, what do I do when God didn't show up the way I thought he would, is probably one of the greatest things that keeps you from encountering God. So next week, we're going to unpack that. The week after that, we're going to talk about what's my role in this prayer journey. So I don't want to be way behind God, asking him to do something, but not taking part. I also don't want to be way in front of God, leading the charge. I want to partner with God on this journey. We'll talk about that. And then the final week before we head into Easter, I'm going to ask this question. What do we do when God doesn't answer in a day or a week or a month? What what do we do when God has this prayer out there? And the answer isn't no. The answer is I'm not answering yet for two months, two years, 20 years, 50 years. What if God doesn't answer the prayer on this side of eternity, what do we do then? And how do we stay engaged with God when that answer is, is not so quick in coming? So that's where we're going for these next few weeks. But what I want to do today is talk about what does it look like to dream with God? Because if we're going to pray big prayers, it starts out by dreaming big dreams. One of my favorite vacations is one that Maria and I got to take two years ago. It was right around our six-year wedding anniversary. And her sister was getting married in Tuscany. And they said, well, if you guys fly over there, and I got to perform their ceremony. It's so fun. They said, we're getting a 10-bedroom villa with two chefs and people to do everything for you. It was like this dream. It's like something on TV, this dream vacation. They said, just come over. We'll take care of everything. And it was right around our six-year anniversary. So we spent six days in Tuscany, but then we spent another five days in Rome on the backside, just the two of us celebrating each other and love and all things that you don't need to know about because we're in church. 
here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. The thing about that adventure that made it so wonderful was that we spent, I think, eight months before that dreaming about it, thinking about it, planning for it. And isn't it true that those types of vacations are even more impactful because you're anticipating, you're dreaming, you're hoping, leading up to the vacation, and then the vacation is just even greater because of all the work you've done to prepare yourself for it. And the same is true in life. If we go about life day to day and never zoom out and never dream big and never think big with God, we will miss out on all that God has for us. What I want to talk today about is about dreaming. It's about dreaming with God. But here's the thing about dreaming. Neuroimaging has shown us that as we age, our cognitive gravity tends to shift from our imaginative right brain to our logical left brain. Now think about this. How many times have you looked at kids and thought, man, they have great imaginations? That's because when you start out in life, your cognitive gravity of your brain is towards your creative right brain. That's why my kids right now, they've got a box, just a a box in our living room. It's been there for two days, and they're having the time of their life with a box, right? That's why I'm done getting them presents. I'm just going to go to the recycling center, give them a box. They're so creative. It's a spaceship. It's a car. It's a, it's a, it's all sorts of crazy things. It's, it's a box. But kids have great imaginations. But think about this. When was the last time you looked at a 50-year-old guy and you thought to yourself, wow, he's got a great imagination. We, we, don't, we don't think that very often. When was the last time you looked at a gal in, in her 40s, 50s, 60s and thought, wow, she dreams really big dreams? We, we just don't think that. Why? Because as we age, our cognitive gravity shifts from our creative right brain. It's a natural shift we all have to our logical left brain. Now, the people who dare to dream, who dare to to fight that shift, who keep the dreaming side of their life alive, aren't those the people that inspire you, that encourage you, that you think, I want to be like them someday? The dreamers in life who actually achieve their dreams. But for most people, we stop dreaming about what could be as we age, and we start living in the reality of what has been. And we start replaying cycles of what has been. My marriage always has been this way, so it always will be this way. I have no dream about what it could be in the future Instead of having big faith that believes that God is for us, that he has a plan and that he's powerful, he can actually do what he claims to do and work miraculously on our behalf, our gravity shifts and we begin to think that, well, all this stuff is just a pipe dream. And and Really, can God do anything with my life, with my family, with my career? Can God do anything? Because our cognitive gravity shifts, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. The invitation of the Bible, the invitation of God's people has always been, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. If you're still breathing, God's still working. And God's great desire is that we would dream with him. And and I see this storyline over and over again in the characters of the Bible, but most importantly, I see it in one guy, a guy named Moses. And Moses was a dreamer, but God didn't use Moses until he was in the later stages of his life. He did a great thing. He achieved one of his greatest dreams in his 80s. Moses had this dream. Moses had a dream from God that one day God would use him to free his people, the Israelites, the entire nation that at the point of of Moses dreaming with God had swelled to about 2 million people, that God would free them from slavery in Egypt where they had been slaved for 400 years generation after generation after generation of hopelessness, manual labor, no end in sight. 
And God put a dream in Moses' heart that God would use him to free the people. And so he prayed a bold prayer, God, would you use me? And then he partnered with God on the journey. He dreamed big, and guess what? God used him. You can see Moses' whole story of freeing the people in Exodus chapter 3 through chapter 12. And I actually put it on the bottom of your notes. It'd be a great thing to read this week. If you just want to see the progression of his dreaming, it's on the bottom of your notes on the, on the back side. But here's the thing. God used Moses to free the Israelites from 400 years of slavery. And Moses quickly learned it's a lot easier to free 2 million people than it is to lead two million people. These people had no leadership structure other than the slave driver over them, and Moses leads them into the desert, into a wilderness, and and quickly, and I mean really quickly, they start to complain, and they start to grumble, and Moses is, he's done his dream. He did what God called him to do, and he's left thinking, is there more for me to do? Is there really more for me to do? And that's where we're going to pick up the story in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 4, with one of the oddest and most encouraging miracles in the Bible. Numbers eleven four says this, the rabble who were with them, that's a collective of this two million Israelite people, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and they said, if only we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And also, we had cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Mm. Verse 6, but now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Circle manna, we'll talk about what that is in just a second. But but talk about selective memory. Are, Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, the food was free, but you weren't. Okay, you had meat to eat, but you were a slave. Not only that, at one point in the, in the enslavement, the Israelites were getting too big, and the Egyptian rulers over them said, we need to drop down their numbers. So they started murdering babies. All the baby boys, infanticide, killed. It's like, don't, don't, you, rem- don't you remember that? Not only, not only did they forget what God had done. But they began to complain that God was not providing a miracle in the midst of God providing a miracle. That manna that they talk about at the very end, all we've got is a stinking manna. Manna was this like flat bread-like substance that provided all the nutrients they needed. It was, it was provided by God miraculously every morning. They'd go in and gather it and they would eat it and it would give them all the nutrients. It was like, it was like an ancient God-given cliff bar it's like you wake up every morning, there's your cliff bar. Mm. Every day, every day. You don't have to go shopping for it. You don't have to make meals, cliff bars, cliff bars for everybody, chocolate chip cliff bars, oatmeal raisin cliff bars, cliff bars all the time. And they said, We're tired of the stupid miracle bread. We don't want any more cliff bars. We want meat. We want meat. And you and I look at this story and we think, idiots, you are idiots. How did you let yourselves forget all that God was doing? so quickly. But I want to pull over to the side of the road and ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself complaining that God's not providing a miracle and totally missing out on the miracles that God's already providing? You ever do that? Because really, God's providing miracles all the time. God does so many miraculous things every day in this world and in our lives that it's become commonplace. Think about it. It's a miracle that you and I can concentrate when you think about the reality that the world is going around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. 
and it's spinning on its axis at a thousand miles an hour, and you and I are sitting here like that's no big deal. That is a miracle. Or how about this? Okay, that one didn't seem to strike you. Okay, how about this? How about this? Um, in the last, whatever, two years since the texting and driving rule came into effect, how many of you have texted at least once while driving? Tell the truth. Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. It's okay. Okay, yeah. Now, now put your hand. I know, I know. Oh, so shameful. Uh, now, to tell the truth. Now, if you've never texted while driving, how many of you quietly judged me while I said that? Yeah, it's okay. You can, yeah, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I know you did. Think about this. You and I drive, feel your skin, just pinch it, the skin. We drive in metal cages at 70 miles an hour with thousands of other people while staring at a little screen and typing things in and swerving. And here's the miracle. We don't die every day. You haven't died yet. That's a miracle. Now, now we're being stupid, okay? It's still a miracle, how, how, how quickly we forget the everyday miracles that God's already doing. And when we forget, when we don't recognize the big picture miracles, here's what happens. We, we, we fail to be inspired by God to dream big things because we think, well, what's God done for me lately? God, I see God working in your life and your life and your life, but what's God done for me lately? And we become uninspired. And that's, that's where the Israelites are. God has freed them from slavery. He has rescued them. He's given them cliff bars to eat every single day to meet all their needs. And what do they say? Yeah, but we want meat. We want meat and leeks and garlic. I'm like, who wants leeks and garlic? But whatever, that's what they want. And they're complaining and they're grumbling and they have no vision. And it leaves their leader, Moses, horribly discouraged. And here's part of why Moses is so discouraged. Moses had a dream, and it was a huge dream, to partner with God to free an entire nation of people. And he partnered with God. He prayed big. God came through big, and he freed the Israelites from 400 years of slavery. But as I read through this text, here's, what, here's my sense, and this is my opinion, but I think the Bible backs it up. I think that's where his dream ended. All he could think about was freeing the Israelites, freeing the Israelites, freeing the Israelites. And once he freed them, it was like, well, now what do I do with them? There's millions, and they're complaining, and they're grumbling. And he's super discouraged because he's lost his vision of what could be. And there could be some of us in here today, and you had a vision for your life. And here's the thing, you have achieved it. You had dreams about your vocation, and you have reached those goals. You had dreams about your marriage, and your marriage is good. You had dreams of raising kids who, who would grow up to love God, to, to love you, and to tolerate each other, and, and they do. And I think some of us are in danger of getting to the end of one God-given dream and assuming that's all God has for me for the rest of my life. See, I believe midlife crisis happens for one of two reasons. One we look back at our life and we have not achieved the things that we believed we would achieve at this point in our life. But the second and more subtle reason is this. We look back on our life and we have achieved what we thought we would achieve in life, but we failed to dream about what could be. Moses is 80 years old. He's done something that no one had done for 400 years. He has freed an entire ethnic group from slavery. And he's thinking, my beard is long and gray. I put in my time. I got nothing else. And God wants him to know, if you're still breathing, I'm still working, don't stop dreaming. And if, if you're here today and you've stopped dreaming for whatever reason, I just want you to get inspired to dream again, 
to dream again with God. Here's, here's what happens in verse 11. It says, he asked the Lord, and you could just write in your notes, he prayed, he prayed. That's what asking the Lord is. He was praying right now. He said, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of these people on me? And then he gets, I just think he's got a little attitude with God. He says, did, did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? Hey, there's a visual. Did I give birth to them? Why are you telling me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised an oath to their ancestors? Verse 13, where can I, notice he says I, not where can you, where can I, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And this is where God steps in to show his faithfulness and increase Moses' faith. And I want to be clear. I don't believe God does this primarily for the Israelites. In fact, we're going to find out later he's mad at them for their lack of faith. He actually puts a plague on them because of their lack of faith. He does this for Moses. To say, Moses, I'm not done with you yet. You might think you're at the end of your life, but you're not. I've got greater things ahead of you. I want you to dream big with me. And so he does this thing to increase Moses' faith by showing his faithfulness. And that's what God loves to do when we dream with him and when we take a step of faith. Because whenever you take a step of faith, God takes a step of faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is always greater than your faith. Because he's like a perfect, loving, powerful father who has great dreams for you as you partner with him. Verse 18, God says this to Moses. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves. That means set yourselves apart for me. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. And here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes God answers prayers immediately like he does right here. Sometimes it takes weeks, months, years, a lifetime for God to answer a prayer that we pray. And like I said, at the end of this series, I'm going to talk about what we do on those times when the prayer is a long time in being answered. But he says, tomorrow I'm going to give them meat. Tell the people, the Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. What a slap in the face. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. Verse 19, you won't eat for just one day or two or five or 10 or even 20 days, but for a whole month. God says, you're going to eat it till it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you, and you have wailed before him, saying, why did we leave Egypt? You took my miracle for granted, and you complained about it. Verse 21, but Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and that's men of a certain fighting age that they would count for the army. That's why we can kind of extrapolate out. They had roughly 2 million people here, 600,000 fighting men, roughly 2 million people on foot. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if the flocks and the herds were slaughtered for them? If we killed all the livestock that was with us, would we have enough to eat? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were miraculously pulled out and caught for them? Would there even be enough? And here's what he's saying. He's saying, God, you've given me a dream and there's no earthly way it can happen. And I want to ask you for a second, have you ever come to a place where God put a dream in your heart a dream in your mind, you conceived of an idea, but there was, there was literally no logical way that it could happen. What do you do in those moments? What do you do? What do you do when there's no logical way 
that your marriage would ever get saved, that you're beyond the point of saving it. What do you do? But you've got a dream to restore your marriage. What do you do in those moments? What do you do when you want to go back to school, but you don't have the finances and your kids are in school themselves and you'd be that, that person who's 20 years older than everybody else? What do you do when it just doesn't add up? I don't know how to go back to school. What do you do in those moments? But God's given you a dream for a career and you need to go back to school. What do you do? What do you do when the space between your current job and your real job seems as wide as the Grand Canyon and you don't know how to jump it? What do you, you do? Well, we have two options. One, we can give up on our dreams. We can give up on our dreams. Or two, we can engage with God who wants to work miraculously on our behalf. And we can dream with him and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you can do it. That's where Moses is right now. God says, Moses, I want you to risk your reputation. Go to the people and tell them, I'm going to give them meat. Not for a day or two, five, ten, or even twenty, but for a month. He doesn't say how he's going to do it. He just says, go tell them I'm going to do it. And Moses goes out and he risks his reputation for the sake of God's glory. And then God comes through. God comes through big. Listen, I I know how Moses felt in this moment. I, I felt this way two weeks ago keenly. I shared with you our vision for where I believe God wants to take our church and some big things he wants us to do. Reach 800 people because people matter to God and this community matters to God and God loves our neighbors and coworkers and family and friends. So we want to reach 800 people by the end of this year. We want to become the most generous church. We want to increase our staff. We want to to build out our facilities so we can better serve you and care for you and serve and care for the people that God brings in. And I sat in my staff team the Tuesday before I preached that sermon and I had this this look on my face, this glassy-eyed look, and one of our pastors said to me, Kevin, what's going on? And I said, I'm terrified because I know where I, I sense God wants to take us and I know where we are and I'm not quite sure how to get from here to there. And now you guys are telling me to, that we should stand up in front of the whole church and tell them, this is where God wants to take us and this is where we are and somehow God's going to get us from here to there. And they said, yeah, Kevin, we're behind you 100%. I said, yeah, I know you are. You're down there behind me, 100%. And then they said something, and this is why I think community is so important. And I don't just tell you to be in life groups and tell you to have community. It's why I believe in it and I live it and I love it because I said, Kevin, God has placed a dream in your heart and a dream in our heart, and we would not be honoring God if we didn't communicate that and give our church a chance to pray into that and give God a chance to show up. And they strengthened and encouraged me. And I stood up here and I preached one of the most exciting messages I've ever preached. And if you didn't get a chance to hear it, you got to go listen to it about where God wants to take us. But I'm telling you, I know what it's like to have a dream and not know how God's going to make it add up. I've got him in my life. I've got him for our church. And I know you've got him too. What do you do in those moments? Moses takes a step. God shows up. This is how God shows up. Verse 31. I love this. I love this. Now a wind went out from the Lord and he drove in quail from the sea. And this wind scattered them up to two cubits deep. That's three feet deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. Remember, there are two million people. And then he's saying 15 miles out in any direction from there. That's like 700 square miles of quail at three feet deep. All that day and all that night and the next day and the next night, people went out and they gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 omers of quail and they spread them out around the camp. So we're talking 700 square miles, three feet deep of of quail. You know, you've seen quail. 
everywhere, everywhere quail. They're just running around, like all over the, okay. You see, they're hilarious. Three feet, we're talking, get this, we're talking 105 million quail. Are you kidding me? 105 million quail. And guess what? They have meat for a month. Because God doesn't just come through supernaturally. He doesn't just come through big. He comes through in unexpected ways that Moses would have never imagined. He brought a wind that blew the quail in from the coast, inland, three feet deep. It's like, pew, pew, pew. If you like birds, I'm sorry, but it was, it was a bird genocide. <laughs> sorry. I'll apologize now so you don't have to email me later. Here's why God did it. Because God loves coming through in big ways. When we dream big dreams and pray big prayers and partner with him, he loves it. So what do we do with a story like this? What do we do as we're taking this adventure with God? Well, I think, I think that's actually your first note. So if you've been waiting to take notes, you've been freaking out. Here you go. You can fill something in. Some of us need to ask God to move on our behalf when a dream that he's placed in our hearts doesn't add up. Some of us have let a dream die and the fire go out because he's given us a dream in our heart and it doesn't add up. It just does not add up. The dream marriage, your dream marriage ended on month one or month two or year five or year seven, and now you're 20 years in and it just doesn't add up. There's no way we could have the marriage that we, we dreamed about. So I'm giving up. God wants to reignite a dream. God wants to reignite a dream. How, how about this? I, I talked to a young guy a few weeks ago. He's in his 20s. And he said, I have a passion. I want to coach high school soccer. And I want to use that influence to coach soccer because I love soccer. I want to coach high school soccer at the local high school. And I want to give the students there an opportunity to connect with God through our live ministries at the church. I said, well, do it. That's awesome. He said, there's no way, no one who's in my particular field could ever get off afternoons to coach soccer. There's no possible way. So he was saying, so maybe someday, you know, someday in my life, I'll be able to do that. And I, I just asked him, I said, why, why wouldn't you pray right now that God makes you the exception to the rule? That God gives you the time off that nobody ever gets. So that when all your coworkers say, well, how did you get the time off? You would say, well, I've got this dream and this, this vision and somehow God worked it out on my behalf and now I can coach. Because listen, God doesn't want you to wait 20 years to coach high school soccer. He, he wants you to do it now. So what if we start dreaming now? Some of us need to reignite and ask God to intercede, move miraculously on our behalf. Some of us need to ask God to give birth to a dream that's worth investing in. Maybe you're like Moses. You have dreamed big dreams, prayed big prayers. God has come through in big ways, and now you're on the edge. Maybe your kids are leaving the house, and your dream was to raise kids who were well-adjusted members of society, who loved you, who were kind to each other. And you've done that, and now they're leaving the house. And you're wondering, well, what's next? I, I, that was 18 years of my life, 20 years of my life. Some of you are thinking, 30 years of my life. What's What's next? Maybe you're retiring right now and you've worked for the last 40 years in a career and that has been your dream and it's been your passion. Now you're retiring and you're wondering, what's next? Or maybe a dream has come to fulfillment in your life and you're at a crossroads and you're wondering, what's next? Maybe you just need to ask God, God, what's next? What's next? 
in your life groups this week, uh, I'm sending out a quick video. I think it's four or five minutes long, and I'm sharing with you how I can kind of understand if a dream that God is putting in me is just my own ideas or if it's coming from God. And so I'm sending that to you so you can hear it. It's just three ways, three ways I know that it's not just me, but this is coming from God. And I want to send that to your life group so you can watch it and talk about it and dream a little bit. So I'm hoping that'll be helpful for you. Just look at it this week in your group. But some of us need to start dreaming again. And the third group is this. Some of us need to get into partnership with God. There were two groups of people in this story. Moses, who was surrendered to God, partnered with God, and God used him to do great things. And the nation of Israel, who was grumbling and complaining and out of sync with God, who were neglecting the things that God was doing in their lives and complaining about what wasn't happening in their lives. Some of us might be here today. In fact, I know in a room this size, some of us are here today. And you've never entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never started a partnership with him, and you're missing out. You're missing out on the life God created you to live. You're missing out on the miraculous things that God's already doing. And you're missing out on the way that a loving Heavenly Father wants to partner with you in life. And if that's you, I want to invite you, the greatest decision you could ever make would be to partner with God in life. To, to align yourself with him. Remember, Jesus did everything. He gave his life on the cross to, to pay the penalty for your sin, to bring us back to God, our loving heavenly father, so we could have a relationship with him here in this life and then into eternity. And some of us need to say yes to him today and start that journey. And if you're here and you're ready to make that decision, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a second, and I'm going to invite you to repeat it. You can repeat it in your head or you can say it out. And it's just a prayer of commitment where you would say, God, today I'm going to stop living on my own, for myself, I'm going to start living in partnership with you and surrender to you. If you're ready to make that decision, let's pray right now. I want to give you a chance to do that. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. If you're ready to, to start this journey with God, to step into partnership with him, to give your life over to him, you can repeat the simple prayer. Say, just whisper it where you are, say it in your head. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And today I say, yes. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.